Yes, Father, we, um, <clears throat> we declare that you are good, uh, that you are God, and uh, we thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that, um, that we, we put our faith in you, and thank you that you've given us away again, back to your Father through your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can remain standing for the reading of God's word. Uh, We are in Genesis uh, 41, uh, verse 9 says this. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the, who, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. You guys take a seat. Jason, come on up. Let me pray for you. Lord, we, uh, man, we just pray again just for today, today's message, that it would, man, just penetrate our hearts. I know that uh, there's... Uh, there, there's going to be ears here that want to hear. Uh, may, uh, may our hearts be softened uh, to how um, may your word uh, can change us and where we need uh, to know you more in a greater way. Uh, we thank you for Jason. We thank you for the man that he is. Uh, continue to, to use him this morning. May he preach through your spirit. Uh, may he love you more, uh, and may we love you more uh, through, your, through your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. life of Joseph. Um, and the big idea we keep looking for as we go through Joseph's life is how do we live a godly life in an ungodly world? Right? There's a real tension in that if you've tried to follow Jesus for any amount of time. Uh, the world around us might not be godly, but we're called to that. And so even in the life of Joseph, what we've seen is we've seen Joseph, these extremes kind of happen to him where he's loved by his father, hated by his brothers. Uh, He's held in high esteem, and yet his reputation gets damaged. Uh, He's the man everybody knows, uh, but he's also the man that's forgotten. Joseph lives in this tension. Um, And as Christians, we enter into that tension as well. And so the story of Joseph today is the big turning point. So we've kind of tracked with him. It's been kind of bad, and it goes from bad to worse, it seems like, for Joseph. But today is the big turning point for him. Today, he goes from the prison to the palace. A big, huge shift. So Eric talks last week about how Joseph interpreted the dreams of the baker, the cupbearer. Um, One gets killed, one gets reinstated. Um, And Joseph asks the cupbearer, hey, when you get out of here, don't forget me. You're going to be in a position of influence. You're going to have the ear of Pharaoh. I don't belong here, so hook me up, right? And he's like, I will take care of you. And he is completely forgotten, right? And that's kind of where we enter the story today. So uh, that's what happened last week. This week, right, it says after, which there was a lot of text here, right? So we kind of pick and choose, right? Instead of reading like, 
56 verses. I didn't want to wear Eric out, so we, we picked and choose a little bit, right? But the story picks up where Joseph's remembered, right? He interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and he rises from the prisoner to the palace, almost like the prince of Egypt, right? There, there's not many people in higher authority at the end of this chapter than Joseph. So, so here's where we're going today. Let me, let me tell you what to look for. First, we're going to look at Joseph and his perseverance and his patience, all right? I couldn't pick which one I wanted, perseverance or patience. And I felt like they just kind of go hand in hand, right? Um, perseverance is kind of a season. Patience is in the moment. So we're going with both of those. Uh, then we're going to see how Joseph honors Pharaoh. And then we're going to look at his wisdom, right? And I'll define wisdom later. But these are the aspects we're going to look for today. As we think about living a godly life, we want to have these, right? We want to have perseverance. We want to have patience. We need that. We also want to honor those who need to be honored, and we also want to have wisdom. So first we're going to look at Joseph as a prisoner. It says this, opening chapter, after two whole years, right? Joseph has been in jail for a while, and he's forgotten. Two whole years. Uh, his situation appears to be hopeless. Uh, the one guy that might be able to get him out of jail, forgotten about him, right? Nowhere to be found. If we want to live a godly life, right, we're going to need perseverance and we're going to need patience. Um, Joseph has been a slave, right? He's sold by his brothers when he's 17. Uh, when he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, they believe he's about 30 years old now at this time, right? So he spent over a decade now falsely accused, sold out by his brothers, um, had his reputation smeared, and Joseph keeps on keeping on. He just keeps going. He keeps going, right? We never read about him being like, this ain't worth it, right? We continue to read about his character. Like his character just kind of shines through. To live a godly life requires perseverance and patience, right? He never gives up on his uh, integrity. He never throws in the towel. He never says, you know what? It's been a stressful day. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife looks good. I, oh, I deserve this, right? He never does that, right? He just keeps on going. Um, he waits for two years before the, the cupbearer remembers him. That's perseverance that's patience. Uh, let me give you some two ways I, I was reflecting on this text where I've seen some perseverance in my life. Um, as many of you know, I, I grew up in church, and then I left church and went opposite way for a long time. There was a buddy of mine. Um, I knew him in church, but we weren't really friends then. Oddly enough, we did not really connect until we both left church and partied hard together, right? And um, a buddy of mine in St. Louis named David, he had not had the easiest life. Pretty rough life, but um, we, we were in that season together. And then I decided, right, Jesus called me again, rescued me. He kind of stayed in that life for a while, for a long time. And I remember praying for him often, like, Jesus, rescue my friend, right? Save him. And he sent me and another buddy of mine an email. All right, the three of us were really good friends, still are. But he said to me and my other buddy, Mike, he says, hey, I need to come clean with you guys. Um, I know you guys are following Jesus. But on my best day, I'm an agnostic. On my worst day, I'm an atheist. And I just don't believe it. And I, I've been praying for years, right? My prayers seem to have been going the opposite direction, okay? I'm praying for his salvation. It seems to me he's getting worse, right? So that, that happened. And then I want to say a few years later again, he, out of the blue, he texts me. He says, hey, uh, my mom just got sent to the hospital. She's not breathing. Um, I don't know what to do about this. Can you pray? Kind of like it was, you could tell he was uncomfortable with the text, right? But he was desperate. And then I'm like, yeah, man, I'll pray for your mom. 
texts me later and he says, hey, uh, don't worry about praying. My mom passed away. So, uh, and then he kind of was like, your prayer really didn't do a whole lot of good, just so you know, right? Good friend of mine. He's being honest. Um, once again, I'm praying that he would be rescued by Jesus, and he's going the opposite way. I'm like, Jesus, got to throw me a bone here. Like, help his mom out. Did not happen. So he's getting worse. So now, before he was skeptical, now he's cynical with a tinge of anger towards Jesus, Christianity, all of it. Now, to be fair to him, he really embraced his atheism, and he went through a dark season. And I didn't know this at the time, and I'm praying, and I haven't talked to him in a long time. And I find out that he read a book on theism, not even on Christianity, but on theism that opened him up a bit to be like, maybe there is something else out there. And I will say today, uh, he's following Jesus, right? That took a long time to get there. And my, prayer, my prayers were persevering, right? I didn't know what Jesus was going to do. There was no guarantee of that. I just kept praying. I kept praying. I kept praying. And God answered that prayer. But the other guy I mentioned who sent the email to us, another friend of mine. Now, he's a believer, and he's been struggling with some mental health for a long time, long time. And he has said to me, he, he'll text me and say, hey, Jay, I'm, I'm not doing well, right? And I want to say last time I talked to him, he, he actually checked himself into uh, a mental hospital because he's like, I just need some help. I'm, I'm not doing well. And that's where he is right now as far as I know. And he, but he feels strongly that God's going to heal him from this. Now, when I say he feels strongly, and this has been a while, I'm going to say this is probably a decade of him going, like, he, this isn't the first time he's been in. He feels strongly that Jesus is going to heal him. But as of right now, Jesus has not healed him. And he has said to me, there are times where I doubt God's goodness. But he goes, I go back to the Psalms, and I pray those laments, right? And I keep asking Jesus to heal me. He says he, this is my words for him, kind of feels like he's in Potiphar's house, or that he's, he's in the prison forgotten. And not just forgotten by a guy that should get him out, but forgotten by God at times. But he continues to persevere, right? He continues to persevere. He continues to offer up prayers. Jesus, help me out. Help me out. And he continues that prayer. He's patient. He's persevering. So for him to continue to live a godly life in an ungodly world of, an ungodly world of pain and suffering and disappointment and questions, he's got to keep on keeping on. Right? I don't say that flippantly, right? Like, that's my friend, and I hurt for him. But... Joseph also, he's been forgotten, right, two years. This is not an event for Joseph. This has been Joseph's life out of high school, which he never graduated from, right? But this has just been his life. His adult life has been kind of these events happening to him. But he keeps persevering. He keeps persevering. So for us, we got to wait on God's timing. We keep persevering. And so for many of us, right, we're in some seasons that are difficult and painful, and we got to keep persevering. Right? We keep putting one foot in front of the other, not in our own strength, but in the power of his spirit. Right? We need patience. We need to wait on God. If your marriage is tough, which marriages get tough, right? The way to live a godly life in a marriage is to keep persevering. We don't jump out of that marriage when it gets tough. We keep going. If you're battling the loneliness of being single, and let me say this, there are married people who are more lonely than some single people. Okay? But if you're battling the loneliness of singleness, Right? The way to live a godly life in that season is keep persevering. Don't just date anybody. Right? Keep persevering. When we're dealing with aging parents, um, sickness, disease, harassment for um, maybe some convictions we hold as Christians, 
whether we're dealing with difficulties at work, financial shortcomings, the way to live a godly life is to keep persevering. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And so what's your situation right now? I'm sure many of us have a situation where we're like waiting on Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. Right? I'm going to keep on keeping on. What season are you in? And Joseph says this to you. So we look at Joseph. And any, any of us in this room are in a season where we've got to persevere and we need patience. Joseph says this. He says, um, hey, don't quit. Don't quit. Uh, don't try to numb it, right, in unhealthy ways. Don't try to escape it. Stay in it. Keep holding on to Jesus, right? Keep going. Keep going. Godliness, a godly life is filled with perseverance and patience. You can't get away from that. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard this before, but the worst time to jump out of a ship is when the storm is raging, right? If the storm is raging and going crazy, you're like, this is too hard, I'm jumping, your odds of dying are going to be really high right then, okay? Don't do that, right? If we're going to live a godly life in ungodly times, we have to hold fast. I mean, we've got to hold on to with all we got, okay? We hold fast to Jesus with patience and perseverance. So here's the application, Right, as we pursue godliness in ungodly world, as we, we pray. Um, that's not super insightful. That's pretty simple. Uh, actually, the longer I'm a Christian and the longer I've been even in vocational ministry, the more I realize man, it's not always that complicated. It really is just the basic stuff. We just pray. We pray. Um, I believe when we do those basic stuff, that's where we see meaningful, rich, fulfilling, sometimes hard Christian lives when we just do the basics. Um, Peter says in 1 Peter, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Right? It might feel like if it's a difficult season, God doesn't care. Peter says, no, he cares. Cast it on him. And then he's in it with us. Um, another discipline or action that is helpful to practice is silence and, sol- uh, silence and stillness before Jesus. This is something I came late to in my Christian life, but I can't tell you how awesome it is and just how much it's impacted me. Um, and here's what that means and doesn't mean, all right? It doesn't mean that you would maybe sit in a lotus position and try to empty your mind and repeat a mantra. Um, that's kind of more like uh, practicing modern-day mindfulness or meditation. And you can't listen to, like, a business or leadership podcast without that coming up and people saying, do that, do that, do that. That's, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is more like, it would look more like this. You set a two-, three-minute timer on your phone. Right, you sit there, and you, you know your timer's going to go off, right? My problem is I keep checking it. Is it going too late, you know, right? Um, and you're going to think, if you're like me, you're going to like 15 times, you're going to totally drift off and think about, i got to get this done, i got to get this done. That's 15 chances to come back to Jesus, okay? Um, and in those moments, you're just silence and stillness, not emptying our mind, but sitting, focusing on Jesus. I believe what we're doing in that moment is we're saying, Jesus, I come to you with no agenda, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm trusting that you're good, and I want to be with you, right? I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking you to fix this storm. I'm trusting, right? I feel like i got to get stuff done. I can't, i got to be with you, right? Um, and that's going to feel, if you're like me, doing that two to three minutes is going to feel very unproductive and very like, this is a waste of time. And I'm saying, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to say, I'm with Jesus. I can trust him. This is, all this is nuts around me. And i got to persevere. And the way I persevere is just sit myself at your feet, trust that you're good, 
So I'm with you. I'm with you. Right? So I would highly recommend you do that. We talked about a rule of life. Put that in there. I think two minutes, three minutes a day is not a lot. But if you practice it, the first couple times, it feels like an eternity. But I can't recommend enough. If you're in a season where you're like trying to wait on Jesus to do something, do this. Do this. Um, so Joseph perseveres. He has patience. If we're going to live a godly life, we're going to need that. Uh, the next point, we're going to shift a bit. And I feel like a lot of times in sermons, you know, um, Eric and I sat under some guys that taught us, and they said, try to give blinkers. It's like a sermon is a car, and you want to give a blinker when you make a turn. But I feel like I'm going to turn so fast, some of your uh, heads are going to be against the side window, okay? This is going to be huge, right? I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's coming. We're going to shift from that to um, how Joseph honors Pharaoh. Big shift coming. Hold on. Hold the handle. We're going to look at verse 8. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled. That's Pharaoh. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. We're going to skip to 14. It says this. Then Joseph sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. The man was in a pit, right? And when he shaved himself, changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. Um, we're going to look at how Joseph honors Pharaoh, right? Godliness honors. We say that godliness honors people. Um, Pharaoh has told his magicians and his wise men, hey, guys, I had this dream. It makes no sense. And they have nothing to say. That would be like modern day if, if the president of the United States said, here's this issue I have. And Fox and CNN both said, we don't know what to do about that. All right? That would not happen. Right? Pharaohs, the pundits are silent. They don't know what to say. Um, that's a miracle right there. Right? But um, Pharaoh's troubled, and the people he usually goes to for help can't help him. Right? Here comes the man of God. Right? Um, this is where Joseph shows up. Pharaoh turns to Joseph, and he's asked to interpret the dreams. Uh, Joseph does. And as a result of what he says... Right? Joseph goes from the pit to the palace. That's a huge shift in a tax bracket for Joseph, right? I mean, his whole life changes right there. Uh, and Joseph honors Pharaoh and interprets the dreams. Catch this, though. Pharaoh is a political leader that is worshipped as a god, okay? Uh, Pharaoh was not part of the moral majority, just, right? Here's what I want us to see. A leader, right, a leader, a country is in trouble, and it's God's man that helps out. It's God's man that shows up to bring the answer. It's Joseph's godliness and his character that gave him a chance to even be in front of Pharaoh. Right? He shaves, puts on a suit. Right? He, he kind of cleans up, comes in before Pharaoh, and he's respectable, and he honors him. And many of us would agree that we live in a country that's in trouble. Amen? Like, we would all agree with that, regardless of what side of the political aisle you stand on. I think we all, like, everybody feels that. Um, we have leaders that are troubled. And how we respond is how we live godly lives. Uh, we're to be a help and not a hindrance to those in leadership. Now, you, you can't escape this in the New Testament. So here, here's what it doesn't look like. I'm doing a lot of here's what it doesn't look like, and we'll talk about what it does. Um, I saw a post the other day from a, um, a guy that's a Christian. This is what it doesn't look like. Just see. That's what it doesn't look like. All right. Facebook post. And it was like a um, before and after, right? Maybe you've seen this, right? So the before was like a woman who just got out of bed. And on the other column, 
she, you know, her hair was done, her makeup was done, and then another woman, same way, just got out of bed, all dolled up, like back and forth, right? And then the final one was like a picture of a horse's behind, and then a prominent um, political leader that if I said her name, you would know, right? And I'm not saying her name because I don't want to make fun of her. Um, right, you probably have seen this, this pic, right? Um, here's my thought on that, right? That was cynical, mean-spirited, uh, and that politician is an image bearer of the creator, right? And he might have thought, I'm making fun of a politician, uh, but he's making fun of the image of God in her. Um, and it's not cool, right? and it has no place in the church, really. It just doesn't. Um, is there any place that you can find, like I challenge you, is there any place where Christians are called to be cynical and mean-spirited? You can't find it. Um, and when I read the Sermon on the Mount, all right, like Jesus' Ten Commandments, um, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, the meek, and the merciful. That post doesn't fit that. When I read about the fruits of the Spirit, I see things like love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. Well, that post was none of those things. Um, and if you read more in Galatians 5, you know, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It also talks about works of the flesh. Right? The opposite of the fruit of the Spirit is things like, does this sound political? Right? Works of the flesh are this, enmity, strife, rivalries, dissension, division. Right? That post was not those things. Like, it was those things, right? Divisive, dissentious, enmity, strife. Um, now, once again, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that church, that, that as believers, we can't have a prophetic voice in the world. I think we should. Right? We speak into things that are wrong. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying that that guy who posted that can't think that that politician is dishonest or that she has bad character or that, you know, her policies are bad for the country. He can think all those things. I'm not saying he can't. And as we engage politics, we're going to have those kind of opinions. But the post was lowbrow, ugly, and not godly. It's not honoring. It's just not. So here's what more I see in the New Testament. New Testament. In a culture where the emperor is killing Christians. You got that? The emperor is killing Christians. Peter says this um, in 1 Peter 2.17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. It's the church. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I did a little digging on this. And that was probably Nero. Let me give you a glimpse of how um, pro-Christian Nero was. Nero, they believe, was probably a little crazy to where um, he liked to take midnight strolls in his garden. So he had Christians dipped in oil and set on fire as, as nighttime lighting for him, right? It's like Christians are on fire lighting his garden. And Peter says, honor that man, right? Makes me a little uncomfortable. Even Democrats? Yes. Even Republicans? Yes, right? What about Trump? We honor him. What about Biden? Yes, we honor him, right? As Christians, we honor them. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2. All right, here's our application. Timothy says, or Paul says this to Timothy. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions. That we, the church, may live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people 
even the kings and those in high authority to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So here's our application, right? We pray for our leaders, right? We don't post silly posts. Like that's, come on, right? Joseph honored Pharaoh, and as a result of that honor, how many people do you think were saved from Joseph's just honoring Pharaoh? Um, we pray that we could live quiet lives, not scream with political social media posts. Just, sure. All right. We honor our politicians. All right. We can talk policy. Uh, we can talk initiatives. Uh, we can discuss tax rates. Uh, and we can still honor the position of leadership and the person holding that office. Right? We can honor them, even if we think they're knuckleheads, which probably many of us do, right? But we still honor them. So let's show some dignity, right? That's the thing. Dignity. Um, not like, you know, reactionary high school kids, like dignity on social media when it comes to politics. Let's watch how we talk about politicians because they're made in God's image, all right? And here's, here's the truth. A snarky post feels a lot better and is a lot easier than praying for the president. It just is. So let's do the hard thing, right? Let's not take the easy way out as Christians. Let's do the hard thing. Let's pray for our leaders, our mayors, our senator, our congressman, our president, instead of blasting them in conversations on social media. Right. I'm done on that, right? We're moving to the next point. All right? Final point. The wisdom of Joseph. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? That's beautiful, beautiful text. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. So here's what's happening in the text. Uh, Pharaoh has a dream, needs help. You know this. Joseph interprets the dream, and Pharaoh says, man, if, if God speaks to this man, he needs to be in a higher place of authority. So he elevates him. All right? Um, but Joseph also, here's the thing. He, he hears what God has to say about the dream, and then Joseph says, here's what we should do. So here's what God says. Here's what we should do. Um, if you try to find a biblical definition of wisdom, you might get a bunch of different stuff. So here's what I'm boiling it down to today, right, is that um, it's hearing God's word and doing it, right? So it's like, here's what God says to do, so we do that. Um, Joseph, he hears God's word, and he acts accordingly. Uh, God says there's going to be a famine. Joseph says, here's what God says. Here's what we should do. Let's stockpile some food. Um, we hear God's word read, like in our, in our preaching, in our city groups, in our devotional time, and then we do what it says. If we want to live a godly life in an ungodly world, we've got to have wisdom. Um, in, what, in, we, in ways that God has spoken to us through his word, we do it. So there are a lot of ways to act according to the Bible, right? Um, we read about parenting, singleness, marriage, sexuality, relationships, Christian community, money, um, using our words, work, worship, prayer, right? It goes on and on and on. The Bible says a lot about how we should live our lives, right? And if we just do that, that's, that's wisdom, right? It's not just being really smart. It's, that's, that's not wisdom. It's just it's, it's how we live our lives. Um, and just from this section of the story of Joseph, we see that wisdom says to wait on God, persevere, honor, pray for those in leadership. So here's the application. It's a little two-part. We're going to jump to uh, James. James says this in uh, James chapter 1. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man that looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Like James summed up the whole sermon right there. Right. Just listen to the word, persevere, do what it says. Um, we look into the word and we hear a sermon we, and we do what it says. We persevere as a result of that. Our lives will be blessed. Um, so simple application, once again. Not big, crazy application. Read the Bible and do what it says. I mean, basics. Um, see, like, we, we live in a world that is full of ungodliness. And what the world is longing for, I fully believe, is Christians who live wisely. Um, I recently heard an interview with David Brooks. Uh, he's a New York Times op-ed writer. Uh, he's got a couple books. But in, in his um, conversion story, it's, it's this. Now, David Brooks is a brilliant guy. He's born and raised in New York City his whole life. And he said when he became a Christian, it was because he got invited to what we would call like a city group. He got invited to like some city groups, and he saw how these Christians interacted and lived their lives. And he said that was appealing to me. Um, he was raised as a secular Jewish guy. And he was like, man, the way that I saw these Christians live their lives in Manhattan, that appealed to me. Right? It was their wisdom right, of how they lived. Um, it, it, it was Christians reading their Bibles on how to live and then doing that. Um, our greatest apologetic really is our wisdom lived out in godliness. People are longing for that. Uh, I'm in a book club. You've probably heard me say this a hundred times from up here. But in my book club back in September, uh, there, there was an interesting issue that came up in our book club. And I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry, but um, my Christianity will not allow me. And a guy interrupted me, and he said, no, Jason, we want your Christianity in our book club. Like, we want that. We want that voice. So, and these guys are living crazy lives. But they, they were like, we want your Christian perspective. We want that. We need that. Um, the people at your work, they want your Christianity. They might not know it, but they do. They want it. They want to see you living your life in a way they go, that's appealing. Um, not necessarily a bunch of facts, right, and knowledge, but living as people who know how God wants us to live and doing it. We must persevere in that, right? We wait on God's timing. Uh, we continue to pray and seek his face, right? We honor our leadership at work, at the state, local, and national levels, right? And we show wisdom in our lives, that's how we live godly lives in an ungodly world, right? Keep going. We pray, not just for us and our situation, but for our leaders. We live lives that God wants us to live. And now that can be overwhelming, right? That's why we have communion, right? We can't do that in our own strength. We need Jesus' spirit. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I'm going to pray for us as we get ready to receive communion. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give us some prompts as we do this. Um, First, I'm going to just ask if you guys could bow your heads and pray with me real quick. Jesus, uh, we are desperate for you. There's not any of us in this room that have not at one time felt like quitting or giving up. And we need you to help us to continue to go forward. We want to be shaped by your word and not by our culture. So we want to honor those in authority over us, not just at our works, not just at our work, 
but in government life, city life, state life, national life. We want to honor them. We want to live wise lives. We want to be people of wisdom. And we just, we know what we should do because we're abiding in the truth. We're abiding in you. So Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. May we look to you for the strength to keep going, to do the right thing, to persevere. So as uh, Eric and Terry are set up for uh, communion, uh, before you guys come up, uh, I want to point us to Jesus. You guys can go ahead and keep your uh, heads bowed, eyes closed. Um, and then when you just think about a situation maybe right now that you're in where you feel like you gotta, just, you gotta keep going and it's really hard. And I wanna say that Jesus is in that with you. We see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane saying, I don't wanna do this. What I, what, I gotta get, what I gotta get ready to do is hard. I don't want to keep going. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus persevered through it. He has done this on our behalf. And so as you get ready to come forward, whatever season that's in, whatever situation you're in where you feel like you just got to keep persevering, uh, I'd ask that you would give that to him. Tell Jesus what that season is, what that thing is, what that situation is. Give that to him. And then search our hearts for any sin and confess that to him. But then we come forward and receive his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his perfection. Jesus, we love you. You are good. You persevered on our behalf. And we need your spirit to continue to persevere, not in our strength, but in yours. That our perseverance would not just be a burden, but it would be a joy as an act of obedience and love and delight in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.